right guys this is the podcast invest in you we have all of a sudden reached episode 107 i wonder how that happened today we've got a super cool guy all the way from the us we got uh, andrew here so yeah andrew startups but you do know you have a middle name and much more so hi andrew <laughs> hello hello frederick thank you for so much for having me i'm excited to be here Perfect. So there, there are many reasons why we're on this call. Number one, I love to be efficient. So that's why I'm doing this in the middle of the night. And Andrew is also optimizing because <laughs> he's in a car being driven across the countryside or the city. That is true. Yeah. So we always try to kill two birds with one stone. So if I've got to be in the uh, in the car for a while, what's the most productive thing I can do beyond exactly. Frederick's podcast? Exactly. There and the go. other reason why we're on this call today is uh, he's got some exciting news. He's got a book coming out and it's very much about uh, what he's been doing for many, many years. So what's the book's name? The book is called Zero Dollar Growth. And you're right. It, it literally personifies everything I've been focused on for the last 15 years, which is building scalable, efficient, affordable, early stage growth for startups. I see time and time again, companies make the same mistakes, especially when they're product focused teams. So everybody's on the, on the founding team is really engineering and product focused. And when it gets to time to do marketing, they kind of just don't know what to do. And so this book really walks them through how to do their own SEO, their own apps, their optimization, and really teach them how to start walking on their own before they try to start sprinting with Facebook ads or somebody else. We should do like a book bundle later. So if you should have your book, my first book, which is just over there, which is called Trust is New Currency, how to like use trust in business. And then with my next book, which is by like investment tactics. Nice. So those three be a perfect bundle. Good one. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you know, uh, in the end, it's all about investing in yourself or, you know, and, and then I think that's one of the major things that, I've found in my career is people aren't investing in marketing at the right time and they're not investing in the right areas of marketing. And that's one of the major areas where people fall yeah. um, short with their business. And so I could see those books going together. Definitely. Yeah. No, I can also see how, and I know exactly why I don't even have even more of everything. And the main reason for that is I've always downplayed the value of marketing. So I'm fairly good at the selling, which means I'm doing the hard selling instead of having inbound traffic to a much higher degree. Uh, and that is uh, an observation. I've been aware of this for many, many years. Uh, still work, <laughs> work in progress. So yeah, tell us more about, you have had a couple of really good experiences also with exiting business. That's something I'm really interested yeah. in more about. Yeah, so like I said, I started my career about 15 years ago. I had a startup of my own. Um, as a co-founder. And I realized very quickly as the, we started getting profitable and we raised money that I didn't really love all the other aspects of being a startup <laughs> founder. I just really loved like the growth in marketing. And so yeah. I settled on that. And um, once I started really focusing on that, I really figured out, you know, that's my sweet spot. And so I aligned myself with companies where that was the only missing piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And so um, when you think, when you find that, um, then, uh, you know, I was able to align myself with projects where I knew I could create a ton of value and lead those companies to their goals. And so the first company I joined, actually, I was lucky enough, a year after joining, we scaled to an exit, $140 million exit. It was a awesome. Craigslist copy of in the Middle East. So, yeah. you know, taking 
what is product wise already working and applying a lot of really aggressive marketing strategies to it. So we did a lot of growth hacking in the product, a lot of SEO, some spend on PPC and really scaled um, across the region and the Middle East. That led to an exit. Then we did a daily deal concept, different founding teams, same problem. Yep. They created an incredible product, but they didn't really know anything about aggressive marketing at the time. This is before growth hacking. We called it aggressive online yeah, marketing, yeah, yeah. meaning, you know, like gray area, like, you know, grabbing people's mobile numbers, doing bulk SMS, you know, things you can do when you're extremely confident in the value that your product is creating. If you know that you're helping people and you're making their life better, then yeah. you can really be confident that when you're sending that kind of value um, in an in unsolicited message. By, um, so that company exited within a year, um, Living Social, if you know that, that company bought us at the time. And then uh, the next project didn't do super, super well, but I got sick of the Middle East and I moved to San Francisco, <laughs> where San Francisco is really, you know, when you start to work in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, you really learn like, oh, there are reasons why all the investment is here. Everyone is building products to solve problems, yeah. to solve their own problems, to help people, to make life easier. And when you're working on things like that, it's very easy to put the 12 or 18 hours a day in. It's very easy to continuously iterate, even though you're nowhere near making money yet, because in your head, the goal is to just help people. When the goal is to, to make money and be profitable, you have a shorter runway and a shorter fuse to get there before yeah. you give up and you move on to the next thing. So, so, um, in San Francisco, joined a travel technology company, and that project also exited after a couple of years. And since then, that's when I really realized, you know what? I want to I want to spread this knowledge around, not just one company at a time, yeah, yeah, but yeah. as a consultant, really create value for other founders in different areas. So last year, I did an international speaking tour. I was in 15 countries from Europe to South Africa to Latin America. Um, I also did, oops, drop the headphone here. Also did um, an online course. And the online course democratized the access to that information even more, you know, thousand dollar yeah. online course helped startup founders, about 40 different startup founders with the course so far. But uh, I have a coaching program as well that if companies want help on execution, we can make an affordable, build an affordable marketing team for yeah. them with myself and, and um, a junior marketer. I get an unpaid intern, teach yeah. them how to do all the different stuff. And then we do that together. But, but yeah, the, I think the major thing that exits really teach you is that that should never be your goal. Your goal should never be to make an exit. Your goal should just be to help people. And then if that opportunity comes along and you think that that injection of capital is going to help you reach your mission better, yeah, then it's yeah. the right thing to do. But if you're listening to this and your goal is to just make millions of dollars, Frederick has done it. He can tell you as well. It's a great thing. It should be a byproduct of following your passion. It should not be the reason you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, to contradict what you just said there, it's really, really helpful for startups out there listening into this one to begin with end in mind. So think about who might be the company actually buying. So you at least have that in mind when you plan. But yeah, yeah absolutely. This is around helping customers really to get a great product because ultimately without that, uh, there's just a fake business. Right. And, and those first customers are really 
the hardest, most fickle people to really convince. And you need to really focus on creating a lot of what I call the marketing foundation, meaning, yeah, yeah. you know, tightening your analytics, making sure that you're using the right call to action, creating the lead magnet for the website, you know, scaling social media to prove the social proof for the business. All of those things in the beginning are extremely difficult to get right. And when you don't have any experience, if you're a first time founder listening to this, there's just a massive learning curve on each one of those things from, from your website to your app, to the registration page, to, you know, what your, your email drip campaigns say after people sign up to how to do retention, all of that stuff. You can actually hack doing that by using a yeah. consultant in the first like year of your business. So a lot of VCs in San Francisco and my network continuously refer me and my agency for about three to six months to help a company really get off the ground. Yeah. And that's the whole point of this book. Like not everybody's there. Not everybody has those VC connections. Not everybody has the funding to be able to pay our agency. So you can buy this book. You can join my coaching program. You can try and get an intern yourself, but varying degrees where I can take the marketing off of the founder's plate and really leave them as just, you know, a weekly meeting where we check in with you and let you know what's going on. And your, your scaling is happening while you're working on product development, while you're scaling yeah, out your yeah, team, absolutely. while you're raising funding, you know, all of those things can happen in tandem. And that's really the biggest part of my message. Yeah, I think that's really, really great advice. Just uh, for, for your knowledge, I just did some uh, research the other day and the amount of, you said like San Francisco and uh, Silicon Valley is great for raising finance. The U.S., fundraising market for startups versus the whole of Europe. We talk about the US is 12 to 15 times as much money. So we yep. talk about- And 70% yeah. of that is in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. In one place. Yeah, so exactly. The, and, and you know, like a lot of people try to call their town the, the San Francisco of the, of the East or <laughs> the San Francisco of Europe, whatever. But there is no other place. And obviously coronavirus has changed a couple of things. But yes. there's no other place in the world where everybody you you meet at the bar, everybody on the train, everybody has designed their life around the passion in their life for for solving a problem. And I think like it's the one of the most expensive places to live. There's a ton of crime and homelessness. It's an it's not a great place to live unless you are solely devoted to solving that problem in your life over anything else. So if you're listening to this and you're a startup founder, if you're not willing to change and give up your whole life for what you're working on, you're probably working on the wrong thing as because the amount of time it takes investment wise for a startup. And I'll give you this joke that there's, there's a joke that people say, um, uh, an entrepreneur, a startup founder is the only person who gives up a 40 hour work week to work a hundred hours a week. Yeah, exactly. you know, and yeah, so yeah. so if you're if you're complaining about work or your social life is getting in the way, then that passion is just not there for what you're working on. And I know for me, it's an iterative process, and you have to keep, you know, changing what you're doing in your life until you really find that product market fit in your life yeah. as well. Yeah. And once you find it, it's just every everything else falls to the wayside. Girlfriends, traveling you know, going to the beach, even if you live in Thailand on the beach, you'll see so many people that haven't been to the beach for weeks because they're so busy with what they're, they're yeah. working on. They don't yeah, even yeah, care yeah. about the beach. Like you're, 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 you're changing the world. And so <laughs> when you get to that and you know, like, um, you might think, Oh, this dog food startup that I'm working on is not changing the world. No dogs are the number two highest cancerous animals behind humans in the world. You know, like you, so you have to think like a marketer as well and really realize what you're working on is a big fucking deal no matter how small it is. And then th let that be the reason you're passionate as well. 
Love it. That's, that's a great, great one. So uh, jumping into like the nitty gritty of uh, a few hands-on actionable ideas from, from the book that people can take away or at least yeah. think, think about or that will really intrigue them to get their hands on the book, obviously. Sure. Sure. Okay. So I think one thing that everybody can do right away is start a little mini PR campaign for your business. So, yep. you know, I was just trying to hype everyone up and make them excited and think that what their project is, is really, you have to think about it bigger than it is currently. And that's kind of the same thing for PR. Public relations or PR marketing, all it really boils down to is building a list of people who you want to tell your story and then creating a story that's valuable enough for them and then sending it out to those people at a at a uh, an efficient and effective manner, I guess. Yeah. So... If you break those three tasks down, that's all a PR company does for 10,000 euros a month or whatever they're going to charge. So the reason why people pay a PR agency is because they make that very easy because that list they've already been building for 10 years, they've been writing hundreds and hundreds of stories for businesses. So they're professional at articulating your story and making it valuable. And then they have those relationships so they can reach out at scale to to get you in the, the press. That doesn't mean that while you're developing your product, let's say I'm six months away from launch that I can't do the exact same thing. I'm going to, that means to build the list, I'm going to passively subscribe on Google alerts to keywords related to my business. So, so Frederick's business is all about buying multi-million dollar penthouses off plan (laughs) and syndicates and and real estate groups. So he's going to be looking for reporters talking about real estate investing, real estate syndicate, real estate projects. So anytime I see a reporter writing about that, so I'm getting a Google alert, a new article was written in the Time Magazine or the BBC about real estate investing. I'm going to click on that article and I'm going to find that reporter's email address from the name of the reporter or clicking and going to their social media and DMing them or just guessing their email address. And I'm going to slowly but surely build that email list as I'm working on my product, as I'm doing investor meetings, as I'm building out my team. And then when I am ready to launch or when we have hit a milestone, we have hit a million dollars raised, then I have that press list already built. That is going to get you 75% of the way there in PR right there. So there's my first growth hack for your audience is subconsciously, slowly, manually building out a PR list of people who might be interested. Now, as you're working on stuff, you can also start messaging those people. Hey, I just added you to my PR list. I hope you don't mind that in a month or two, I'd love to send you my press release. One line, worst they're going to say is, no, fuck off. Please don't subscribe me. (laughs) Best they're going to say is, actually, I just looked at your landing page. I would love to chat. I'm working on a piece about this right now. Don't worry, it won't come live for a month anyway. So you're basically starting to build those relationships and then day launch day, you've got a nice press release. You know, you can buy my book or you can buy my course, which goes much deeper on how to effectively write a press release. But the overarching sentiment is you need to make it valuable for that person. So if that person is writing about investing, it's all about how your product helps the investing world and how it's valuable for them. And so consistently rewriting that until you get to that level of value Perfect. And then, you know, and then it's all, all, all it is, is just numbers game. You reach out to a thousand, 50 of them right back to you, 20 of them right about you. Boom. You got 20 articles right like that. So that's, that's something I think is, you know, that's my two minute or five minute version of something I can teach hours on. Yeah, yeah, but like, even if you're just listening to that and you just start passively building your PR list, you'll be in a much better position than if you hadn't thought about it at all. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. No, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. I mean, especially now, for example, like you got the book launch coming up. Excellent example why it's nice to have that little list 
to reach some more people. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. the, the and I'm, flow. That and I'm I sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I'm definitely doing it myself. So I have <laughs> 1000 PR contacts yeah. and I have written five emails, like so short, medium, large. And then the last one, did you see my email? Why haven't you responded or whatever? And I'm emailing all those people every other day about my book launch. And some of them are like, please stop emailing me. Why are you doing this? Some of them are like, honestly, how did you get my email address? And then I'm responding. I, I watched your podcast. I, I read your article and I got your email. It's public information. I got, I got, I got your email off of your site because I got it from you. Exactly. But it's the idea is I thought this should be valuable for you. No, that's, that's perfect. That's really good. That's really good. Perfect. So the podcast name is Invest in You. When I say that, what does Invest in You mean to yourself? So Invest in You really, to me, it means about, you know, spending money or time to invest or create a better future for yourself. Yeah. yeah. So what, what kind of investments have you done in yourself lately that you can just come up with on top of your head? So during coronavirus, you know, I'm all about trying new things. And so I've been investing in like hobby and personally related things. So yep. I actually um, just spent a week getting hunting lessons for a crossbow. So, you know, everything in the U.S. right now is about getting back to nature. And so I just um, just spent some money investing in learning about hunting. So I'm going on my first ever hunting trip today. And uh, but in a, on a professional level, I've been investing a lot in creating this book. So yes. getting lessons on being a writer, buying some software, helping me become a better writer. So investing on really um, making sure that this book is going to be the best possible resource for people. So that's, yep. that's another area I've invested in myself. Perfect. So uh, again, to write a book is a lot around thinking about words, content, copywriting, with your whole idea of, of both growth hacking as well as writing a book. Copywriting becomes quite important. Do you like copywriting as like a skill? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like, I never would call myself a professional copywriter, but you know, the, as you do this business and your growth hack, right, you don't have the resources always to bring in a copywriter when you're doing a new website for a client or when you're starting a blog for a new startup. So I've over the years become a very talented writer myself. And I think, you know, I have a system for get, creating um, a lot of content very quickly, but with the book, I have been writing blogs for years about different strategies as things have worked for myself. And so like I had a framework of, of what I wanted to write. And so I, it was more important to just have time to really sit there and do nothing but write for a long time. And so the you know, <laughs> silver lining of this coronavirus has been being able to do that. Yeah, sounds, uh, sounds really good. Yeah, and uh, another trick question we usually ask is, what has been your favorite office so far? My favorite office, you know, it's yeah. funny as a digital nomad, I've worked all over the world. I literally worked in a wooden hut in Thailand on an island over the water in a small island that even Thai people don't know about. But my favorite office has actually been a corporate office. So yeah. I had uh, my biggest client ever was Tinder. I'm yeah. sure Frederick, I don't know if you're married, but you probably know about it. The app, I'm married, a lot of people know about never it. Never used yeah. it, but yeah, <laughs> you uh, say you can't open me about Hearing I've never used it. it. I swear to God, in case you're listening to this, exactly. I've never exactly. used the app. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I have used it quite a bit. And I was um, amazed to see that I ended up closing them as a client. We launched a new dating app for them as a side project. And so I got to work out of their office a couple of years ago for eight, nine months. 
And I had never seen such a well-oiled machine of 300 people. They actually split the company into yeah. small, like six to 10 person teams. And so it's each team is like its own startup inside. And, but you have billion dollar company resources. So a 300 person team makes $800 million a year. So they have a lot of money to reinvest. Talk about investing in yourself, catering, yoga classes, boxing, and yeah. nothing like over the top that really is like not used. It's a small team. It's a small office, just a lot of resources to really invest in the health and wellness of the company. So that was the best office I've ever worked in because three meals a day covered, including snacks, all super healthy food. You know, your, your wellness is taken care of. So you can really just focus on work all the time. And I, I lived in West Hollywood and I walked to work. And so that was a pretty amazing office. But as far as a digital nomad, um, I really love Chiang Mai and I, yeah. I, I, you really can't be walking to the coffee shops in Chiang Mai and then, you know, going for a massage after work at like 3 PM and then, yeah. you know, going to an entrepreneur meetup after that. And Chiang Mai is the ultimate place. If you're listening to this and you're wondering as a digital nomad, where you should go after coronavirus is over, it's Chiang Mai, Thailand. There's no beaches, <laughs> there's no sex tourism. So if you're interested in that, I'm not your kind of person anyway, or you're not my kind of person anyway, but but Chiang Mai is the best digital nomad city on the planet. Uh, tr a trick question linked to Chiang Mai. Uh, Please. So we had a guy called, John, he called himself Johnny FD. Uh, he's American. Yep, I, I know him very well. Yeah, he was on- I, know, I don't know him personally, but yeah. I know of him. No, he, he was one of the earlier podcasts on this podcast. And I look forward to have uh, his uh, friend, uh, uh, Sam, uh, on, on this one as well, talk about how he did his exit uh, later. All right, awesome. Yep. Lots of really useful uh, hints. And before we hit record, Great. we said that we both love to travel, but we're both fairly stationary compared to our usual life at the moment. So where are you in the world today? Where do you normally operate? So today, so if you would ask me yesterday, it's been different. I've been traveling around quite a bit in the US, like hard for me to kick the nomad habit. So I always have to have a flight planned or otherwise I get a little bit jittery. So, but as of right now, so I'm originally from a small town in Ohio and that's an unbelievable place when the weather is nice to go camping and really get back to nature. So back here for a couple of weeks and then I'm going to be moving to Mexico after that. But uh, for the longest time, I was really hoping to get back to South Africa this year where I was most recently based. Also yeah. another excellent, excellent digital nomad place, but not where, the same level where, of safety where, where, as... Um, where in South Africa do you go? I personally love Johannesburg, but I understand for yeah. some people they don't have the same level of risk tolerance that I have. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't care. My laptop's in the cloud. If I get, <laughs> if someone steals my bag, I don't really give a shit. But, um, uh, you know, if you're a blonde female by yourself, solo traveler, it's a little bit different, I think so. But South Africa is incredible, incredible place. Literally the best and cheapest English-speaking country in the world. Yeah, and, uh, great, great, great internet, great standard of living, great hospitals and medical facilities. So even during coronavirus, totally safe place to go. But high, high strict lockdown. So very difficult to get to right now. Um, so I'm in Ohio for two weeks and then going to Mexico on the beach in Puerto Vallarta. Sounds like a great plan. I just made, uh, I just bought five tickets uh, for travel just before I started this call. So I got a few plans as well, but they're mainly linked to see my own family a bit. Wow, five 
flights, like refundable flights you buy and then you'll cancel them if you need to? Uh, I'm trying to buy it uh, right now. Well, this should be possible to, to reschedule, but uh, also right now it's... Um, it's bargain times. It's quite easy to find cheap flights because they're they're all under pressure. Right. Amazing. Yeah, I'm a last minute type of dude. I buy the same. flight the same day, yeah. right before I'm on my way to the airport. Usually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was supposed to work in um, in London with my youngest son in early March. Uh, so like early days of the COVID. But but we just decided, okay, why why should we not work in Thailand instead? So we just took like why a not. Last minute flight, my wife was not super surprised. One reason was cheaper. We flew past, uh, landed in Moscow, and I, I don't mind. And uh, yeah, why not? Go. Ukraine Air, Ukraine Air. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Awesome, man. Good one. Um, yeah, I don't want to steal your whole journey. I'd like to also explore and see what you're passing by. Uh, I'm really happy that we took this chance, and I will also post this. Uh, on another podcast which is called investing skills because this is 100% investing skills as well how to get awesome. new leads so awesome. what is the best place for people to find you and not least yeah. to find the link to the book I've got the link direct link for the book as well for, for the show yeah so so Frederick's going to share the link you know anybody can find me anywhere online at as Andrew Startups. So on Instagram, Andrew Startups, andrewstartups.com. You can email me at andrewstartups.com is my email address. But the coolest thing right now, if you see this before November 1st, 2020, you can click on the link to this book campaign. Basically, I'm launching the book with a Kickstarter-like campaign in November. And normally a one-hour consultation with me where we can look at your ads, we can look at your website, we can talk marketing strategy is 250 euros. Well, it's, it's half off if you put the money towards my book. So if you buy five copies of the book, you don't have to redeem all five copies unless you want to, but you'll get an hour free with me for instead. Um, same thing, if you buy 15 copies of the book, you get my 600 euro growth hacking course for free. If you buy 100 copies of the book, I will, work, I will coach your startup for two months with a full-time intern for free. Um, if you buy 200 copies, I'll do your SEO. I'll do your after optimization. <laughs> I'll be your CMO for a month. For free um, for your business so um, frederick's going to share the link and uh if you got any questions definitely send me an email no sounds like a great plan and I'm, I'm sure it will kick off because it usually kicks off towards the end of any campaign so we did right. um, me i've got two co-hosts on this podcast normally charlie and ivan my two young sons and we me and charlie he's 14 now we're writing a book called how to make money as a teenager and we launched wow. it on, on a kickstarter uh, about a year ago and we raised, that was a combination. We can either buy like the book or the, the face-to-face training, which was done in London. And, and we raised oh. uh, £6,000 plus. In That's awesome, a, man. In a as a teenager. So, yeah, exactly. So awesome to learn those lessons. I had my first business as a teenager as well. It was an, an auto detailing company. And I think those concepts really still go with me a lot now. So you're an awesome dad teaching. Them yeah, that. yeah, we're, we're working on it. So yeah, I wish you the best of luck for at least seeing some nice things in the forest. Uh, yeah, have you also thank got you a, so much. Have you got some ATVs or are you going to stroll around? No ATVs this time. We do have them, but it's going to be such nice weather. We want to walk everywhere and just hike Great around. Stuff. So yeah. thank I'd you like, so much. I'd like to be there. I'd like to be there another time. Someday soon, mate. Someday soon. Yeah. Keep, keep it posted when you're heading off to Thailand. So I know if I can crash into you there. Uh, I will do that. When, when, when they open up that. a bit. Definitely, sir. Will do. Cheers. Thank you so yeah. much.